From WXXI News, this is Unleash the Pet Show on Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. (laughs) There's our music. It's a Friday. We're glad you're with us. Unleash the Pet Show gives you the chance to talk to local veterinarians about your pet's health and behavior. And Dr. Christine Garvey from Lollipop Farm, the Humane Society of Greater Rochester, is in studio with us today. You can ask her a question by calling 844-295-TALK, or you can tweet your question to the hashtag Unleashed or to our producer, Megan Mack. She's on Twitter at mmacmedia. You can also watch today's episode of Unleashed live on Facebook Live. Just search for Unleashed the Pet Show. So first of all, Let's say hello to Dr. Christine Garvey. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Well, it's very good. Very good. Good to have you here. Uh, listeners, this is um, it's one of those programs, and I kind of restate this every month, but I'll do it again. The tradition on Connections is we've got a great listening audience. People like to listen for a while. In the second half hour, we get more phone calls. This is the kind of day where if you've got questions or concerns about your pet's health or behavior, you want to call early and get those in. Uh, And that's 844-295-TALK. 844-295-8255. Dr. Garvey would be happy to help. Before we get there, I always like to ask, what's keeping you busy? What is keeping you busy these days? Well, we, as always, are doing lots of spay and neuter surgeries. Uh, you know, we do that as part of our own, for our own animals that we adopt out through the shelter, and also as part of our uh, low-income program for our, uh, that we reach out to the local community and help folks who might not otherwise uh, be able to have their cats and dogs spayed and neutered. Um, And we're seeing a lot of uh, some of the stuff we see all year. We see skin infections and ear infections. We see fleas all year round. Um, We see um, some problems related to stress like urinary problems and uh, some gastrointestinal upset. So those are the things we're treating most often these days. I always assume that the busiest season for lollipop would be the spring or the summer when cats are probably more breeding more. Is that correct? That is correct. We are uh, the most busy, especially in our, our surgery uh, in the spring and summer. We also see a lot of little kittens that need, you know, especially if they come in without mom, they need a lot of help. Um, and we're very fortunate that in the Rochester community, we have a lot of foster care volunteers who are able to help us with these little ones. So uh, we are very busy in the spring and summer, but we find stuff to do all year round. I imagine. I was gonna add, well, what's the state of lodging and capacity now? Uh, we're doing really well. We um, are are going to be seeing uh, some, you know, an uptick in cats. I think pretty soon. Uh, but so far, right now, we're we're doing pretty well in terms of our uh, population of dogs and cats. Before we get to some listener questions, and again, listeners, eight four four two nine five talk. It's toll free eight four four two nine five eight two five five. Or if you're in Rochester, it's two six three WXXI two six three. 9994 to get your question answered about your pet's health or behavior. Before we get to listener questions and some more of my own questions, um, I just want to ask you, this is what we call a deep tease in the business. Later this hour, we're going to be talking about this film, A Dog's Purpose. You heard about the controversy surrounding it? Sure, I have. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's it's hard to, to uh, give an educated opinion based on a video like that. It's hard to know the circumstances. But certainly, um, I think at Lollipop, we really make a point of advocating for positive training. And that's something that we offer, um, you know, for folks who might be having behavioral issues with their pets and for puppies and, and other little ones that uh, might be having behavior problems. So certainly uh, we want to stress to the community that we do not advocate fear-based training because positive training is both less stressful for the pet and a more effective way to elicit a positive behavioral response in your yep. animal. You're going to hear from uh, people for the ethical treatment of animals. They're upset about some of the video they've seen released from the film and also 
the people behind the film who say there might be some things that are taken out of context. But if, if you don't know the controversy behind A Dog's Purpose, it's easy to find the video that people have been talking about. And we'll have that piece later in the hour, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, I see the phone ringing. Before we do that, uh, just what are some of the most common issues you're seeing, uh, I would say, in the office that you kind of wish... Or maybe I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase that. When people come in with some of these common issues, what do you wish owners would be asking you, talking to you about? Um, so I think often we see things like orthopedic disease that I wish had been brought up earlier. You know, some of those things, chronic diseases, are often easier to get ahead of earlier in the process. So I think if you're noticing something off about your animal, change in appetite, uh, they're lethargic, there's a change in behavior, that's stuff to bring up with your vet, you know, earlier rather than later if you can, because I think uh, we often will see animals who have had a disease process for a while, and, and sometimes that makes it more difficult for us to get it under control. So that's something I, I just like for people to know is if you're noticing a change, it's always worth a trip to the vet to talk about it. Mm. Okay. Well, let's grab our first phone call in Canandaigua. This is Sandra. Go ahead, Sandra. Hello. Uh, I have a cat who came to me a few years ago, stray, and he's made himself at home here. However, out of the clear blue, and he's very faithful and loving, but out of the clear blue, he'll bite me. Just just out of the clear blue for no reason at all. And sometimes he jumps up on my lap and cuddles down, and then he'll bite me. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, thanks so much for taking in a stray kitty. That's great of you. Um, so cats uh, are can uh, some kitties can get overstimulated by stuff like petting. So some kitties yeah. really want to be close to you and they want to be touching you, but they don't want to be petted. And you know, it's for some of these kitties. Uh, Petting may always be a little bit of an issue, but there's certainly stuff that you can do like offering treats or, um, you know, starting them in in a clicker training. That's something you might want to you could consult with one of our behavior folks about um, to try to associate things that he likes with being touched. Uh But certainly it's pretty normal for some kitties to be very sensitive to being touched. Sandra, can I ask a question? I see. So, 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 so if he jumps up my lip and wants to cuddle, just don't pet him. Yeah, that might Let be what exactly there. what he is asking for from you. It's just a snuggle with no petting. <laughs> Sa- Interesting. Sandra, when he bites you, is he biting aggressively? Is it playfully? Does it hurt? Um, he's broken the skin a few times. It does hurt a lot. Yeah. Okay. And his claws are incredibly sharp. You know, he'll come at me with claw and and bite at the same time sometimes. Oh, boy. Okay, yeah. If that's the case and he's really hurting you, that might be a situation in which you might want to give our behavior staff a call, and they'd be happy to help you kind of work through that with him. All right, now, where is your behavior? If you give us a call at Lollipop Farm, the number is 585-223-1330, and you speak to the lovely staff at the front desk, they can direct you to our behavior department. Oh, that would be lovely. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Good luck to you, Sandra. 844-295-TALK, 844-295-8255, or 263-WXXI if you're in Rochester, 263-9994. I'm not laughing at Sandra. I'm laughing with you, Sandra, because I'm a cat owner, and cats sometimes bite.
that's what cats do. They do sometimes. And I think a lot of the times it's easy to misconstrue what a kitty is trying to tell you. We're not always good at interpreting their behavioral signals. Um, and I think that's why sometimes cats have a reputation for biting more than dogs do. Because I think people often have an easier time figuring out what their dog wants than what their cat wants. Do you think cats intentionally try to misdirect us? <laughs> I don't. I am a cat lover. I I don't think they they. Uh, I I know they have a bad reputation in in some respects. I'm a cat respects, lover too. But, I'm a cat yeah. owner. Absol- uh-huh. Absolutely. <laughs> I also saw a pretty funny chart, a a pet zone chart for cats and dogs. That's kind of making the rounds on social media. For the cat, it divides the body into the tail section, the lower back, the upper back, the sides the top of the head, the, the, the neck and chin, the belly, and there's a yes right near the base of the tail, and there's a yes right on the head, and everything else is no. Yeah. And the dog's pet chart is everywhere. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's not true for all cats. Yeah, but... it's not true for all cats. I think one of the things that cats will often do that uh, misleads people is they like to roll, or, roll around on their back and offer you their belly. Often they don't really want you to pet them there. They just want to roll around on their back. So if they're doing that, that's great. You can give them some scratches up by their ears. That's usually what they're asking for. It, that's all. I always consider that the trap. Mm-hmm. When she rolls on her back, <laughs> puts her belly in the air, that, yep. that's a trap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Sandra, thanks for the phone call, and good luck to you. By the way, when it comes to taking in a stray, which is great that Sandra is talking about that, and, and you want to make sure your animals are healthy. I know you, you have some thoughts about what overweight means, particularly for animals that are mostly indoor, animals that maybe spend more time outdoors. How do you get a good sense for whether your animal's overweight? Sure. So there's, there's kind of a rule of thumb that I use. And Dogs and cats can have a little bit different body shape, so it can be a little bit different depending on the breed of, of dog or the type of cat. But what I generally say is that if you can feel your animal's ribs easily but not see them, they're probably in a good weight range. If you can see their ribs easily, they're underweight. And if you can't palpate their ribs easily, then they're overweight. Now, there's certainly some room for variation there, but that's kind of my rule of thumb. Dogs and cats. Dogs and cats. Okay. That's a, a, a very simple test for us. Mm-hmm. Back to the phones we go. Nancy in Rochester. Go ahead, Nancy. Hi. Um, I have two cats, and we're having our floors refinished. And they have said that the floor finish is um, slightly, it could be, uh, a strong smell and it might bother them. Okay. So I'm thinking, trying to figure out what to do with them because um, they are, they're pretty much our cats and don't like going any other place. They don't like going any place with other cats. But I don't know what to do, what to do with them while they're, uh, while we're having the floors. Uh, it's probably three days worth of fumes. Mm-hmm. That is, a, that is a great question. Um, I know there are uh, a number of boarding facilities around here. One thing that you might Um, want to talk to your vet about might be um, some medication to help them be a little bit more relaxed. There's a number of different medications that we can give to kitties for situations like traveling or moving or something that's going to be stressful that might help them to do a little bit better in a boarding environment. Um, There's also a product called Feel Away which is uh, something you can get on Amazon. It comes in a couple of different formulations. There's a spray, um, there's some droplets, and it's a pheromone that helps cats be more relaxed. So there's certainly um, some options for if you do need to move the cats out of the house, ways to help them feel uh, safer and less stressed. Okay, 
so boarding them, um, once I pick them up again, they're not going to be, like, um, scarred for life. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I certainly hope not. I hope not, too. Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate the help. Sure thing. Good luck to you, Nancy. Uh, she's asking a question of Dr. Christine Garvey from Lollipop Farm, the Humane Society of Greater Rochester. And let me go ahead and grab Leo in Arondequoit next up. Go ahead, Leo. Uh, good afternoon. Um, Hi. I have a Jack Russell Terrier, and she has a habit of eating her poop as well as the poop of other dogs, and I want to know why she's doing that and what I could do to possibly uh, curb that behavior. Hmm. Sure. I I have I have a unfortunately have to tell you we don't really know why dogs do that. But but dogs this is not the only yeah. dog is oh, doing. Oh no, that. this is certainly a yeah. common thing that dogs do. Um, there's a couple different ways to address this problem. There are some products um, available through your vet that makes their poop taste kind of funny, and that may help discourage them. Um, the other thing is to uh, sort of approach it from a behavioral angle, and when you you know. Uh, approach it from kind of a training angle. This works uh, pretty well with, you know, if, if you've started clicker training or other types of obedience training with your dog, it's something that you can build upon those basic skills. So if you haven't done that with your dog, that might be a good place to start. Um, but then you can start... Um, the basic idea is you want to give him something else to do. You want to tell him what you want him to do instead of eating the poop. So it's something okay. that you're going to have to, like, witness him doing it and give him something else to do. Um, instead of eating poop. It's a little bit of a, it can be a, a bit of a challenge because they do really like to do it. Um, and it's something that takes a little bit of a time investment, um, but it's certainly doable. Okay. Thank you very okay. much. Sure thing. Leo, good luck to you. At least your Jack Russell Terrier, that's small dog, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay. See, you can at least hold that leash a little stronger when your Jack Russell feels the need. You <laughs> know, people with big, strong labs who are very hard to stop. So yeah. <laughs> good luck to you, Leah. Let's get our only break. Uh, it's not our only break. There, our first break of the hour. Uh, and uh, a lot more to talk about when we come back here. So uh, Dr. Christine Garvey from Lollipop Farm, uh, the Humane Society of Greater Rochester, is in studio. We'll, we'll take this short break. We'll come back. We'll have more of your questions answered. So it's 844-295-TALK, toll free, 844-295-8255. And we'll talk about how to create healthy, balanced nutrition plans for your dogs and cats. That's coming up next on Unleashed. Support for your public radio station comes from our members and from the financial advisors of the Sartini Group at Morgan Stanley, 585-987-6053. Investments and services are offered through Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC, member SIPC. This is WXXI AM Rochester, WRUR FM and HD Rochester, WEOS FM and HD Geneva, and WXXI FM HD2 Rochester. How do movies get made? For a striking number of Oscar winners, it involves an anonymous survey called The Blacklist. Hollywood's a huge machine, and the people that are still greenlighting the majority of films tend to be overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly male. I'm Ari Shapiro. How to get out of a comic book superhero sequel-filled rut, later on All Things Considered from NPR News. This afternoon at 4 on your NPR News station. Welcome back to Unleash the Pet Show here on Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. We're answering your questions about pet health and behavior. Dr. Christine Garvey from Lollipop Farm is here answering your questions and some lines open. So it's 844-295-TALK, toll free, 844-295-8255 
or 263-WXXI, 263-9994. I'll remind our listeners you can watch this conversation on Facebook Live. Hello. And just search for Unleash the Pet Show there. Uh, We're going to get back to your questions in a moment. But first, you probably know what constitutes a healthy diet for yourself. But what does healthy mean when it comes to feeding your pet? Beth Adams sat down with Dr. Meg Brooker, a veterinarian at Canfield Vet Dog and Cat Hospital in Pittsford, to try to help us navigate the well-stocked and often confusing pet food aisle. We're doing this uh, conversation, Dr. Brooker, because so many of our listeners have had questions about food. We care about this topic. I know you do. You've come in on your day off to talk about it, so we definitely appreciate it. This is by no means going to be a, a conversation about every single cat and dog food out there on the market. We just don't have time for this. But I thought we could give our listeners a comprehensive idea of what it means to be a good consumer of pet food and what we really need to know to to keep our animals healthy and to keep ourselves sane because let's face it there you stand in the pet food aisle of your pet food store or even the the grocery market and it's absolutely overwhelming i wanted to start first with dogs we'll separate dogs and cats assuming you have a healthy dog who doesn't have a special kind of diet what are the basics that we should start with when we're deciding what to feed them, Dr. Brooker? Thanks for having me today, Beth. Uh, Yes, this is a huge topic. We talk about this with all our owners, and we try and start right from the beginning with puppies and try and explain to owners um, what is going on here because it is overwhelming to be in that grocery store aisle. The main thing is we try and look at foods that are balanced for your pet, and balanced is an important word to know. We're not talking about the, the protein and the, the fruits and vegetables, we're talking about vitamins and minerals. So yes, there's going to be you know a certain percentage of protein, certain percentage of carbohydrates and fats, but very important, the vitamins, minerals, calcium, phosphorus, and the calcium phosphorus ratios. Now, we don't expect all our owners to know all these uh, terms and these meanings, but what we say is, you know, go with a big company that has done a lot of research and has a lot of quality control. A big company, major brand, you mean? Major brand. These are the companies that own the plants. They are the ones who have a PhD nutritionist on staff who have nutritional expertise in advising these diets. Um, so that's easy to, you know, the first step is, you know, you can trust the bigger companies. I, I do uh, approve of that and think that that's the way to go. However, there are so many small companies that are trying to make a good diet um, for our pets and, and use ingredients. But I think our consumers, our pet owners, are overwhelmed with the marketing on these pets and the, and the pet foods. And they see something like added blueberries. Okay, well, yes, blueberries are very good for us and, and probably for our pets too. But the company could have put in five blueberries in the whole bag of food, and now you've just been duped that the food is better than another food. So do I hear you say we should be reading labels? We, we, you know, in a perfect world, we should be reading labels and looking at the AFCO statement. AAFCO is a very important uh, company that oversees uh, the food nutrition standards. And uh, you can do some research on this. It's very, very confusing. But they really, AFCO uh, standards are great um, as far as fulfilling the needs, the nutrient needs of the pets. But, I mean, how many people are really going to stop and stare? And the first thing 
owners look at are the ingredient list. But the question is, is how healthy are those ingredients? Are they really a lot of blueberries in there? Is white potatoes better than whole grains? Meat byproducts. Meat are byproducts. those going to be harmful? We hear a lot about that in the they're market. They're not always bad. I mean, there there's some, you know, dogs can eat some of the byproducts of of. of a chicken or a cow, that's okay. It's not bad. But that's the hard thing to understand. Um, yes, we would like the first couple ingredients to be meat. We would like to think that they're eating human-grade meat that's going into those foods, but that's not always the case. So the ingredient list doesn't always tell you the quality of the ingredients. So it is a harder thing, and I have no good advice on how to read through those lines. That's very difficult. Um, again, a company that uh, has high standards, that does their own research, that has their own plants, has a nutritionist on staff, a PhD, is is definitely a safe bet. It's not to say that the other smaller companies aren't good. It's just very difficult. Some people do home-cooked meals for, we're talking about dogs now, uh, home-cooked meals for dogs or the raw diet. What are your thoughts about that? Sure. Um, you know, having, um, I, I always believe that dogs who have been domesticated for thousands of years have been eating uh, leftover human-cooked food. I have no problem with the home-cooked diet, except it has to be balanced. And again, balance goes back to not just the ratio of vegetables, fruit, and meat, but the vitamins and minerals are critical. Dogs age very fast each year, and these mineral vitamin um, uh, percentages are so important. So there is a great website company called balanceit.com, and you can call them and say, hey, I want to feed salmon and beef and sweet potatoes and whatever, and they will formulate a diet, and they'll formulate a supplement for you, and you buy it, and then you know you are feeding your dog everything it needs to have. It's wonderful. I have no problem with a home-cooked diet. That, that's fine. I'm not quite for raw diets. Um, as a veterinarian, as a scientist, I have to look at scientific studies and not just anecdotal um, reports, but raw diets will, studies have shown these dogs will shed the bacteria that they're ingesting on the meat. Salmonella. So these, salmonella. And studies have shown um, that kids can pick that up from their, or not just kids, but anybody can pick that up from the dog. So we, in general, have a stand against raw diets. All right. Let's move on to cats now. And I, I know a little bit more about cats just because I've had cats as an adult. Um, wet food versus dry food? Sure. Great question. Um, we get this a lot. I mean, I think in the past... A lot of cat owners get cats because they're a little bit less work than dogs. You don't have to exercise them and do stuff like that. So you just fill the bowl with dry food and you walk away. What we found through the years is that um, while some cats can handle that just fine, the cats in general, as they're more of a carnivore than dogs are, dogs can digest starches, so they're more of an omnivore. As a carnivore um, and as not big water drinkers, cats actually can and sh usually do better on canned food. So that's when we get kittens in now, we have a conversation about, hey, we think canned food might do your cat a lot better in the, in the future years. If you can at least feed half their diet canned, if not all, that we think that's a great idea. For some owners, they just don't, don't want to, and that's okay. We see feed the most highest quality dry food you can find where the most meat ingredients, the least amount of starches, because again, cats are carnivores and provide lots and lots of water. Um, you know, my cat, when I uh, tried to introduce canned food into her diet, she would not eat it. So I'm not going to make anybody feel badly about transitioning their cat if they won't eat it. But 
um, yes, better to start food, them out better with it if you can. Better to start them out with it if, if you can. You have a great website you were talking about before from Tufts University that so has we, a lot of this information on it? Yes, we send a lot of people to uh, Cornell's nutrition department and then um, and Tufts nutrition department, and I just recently got on their website. It's wonderful. It's got a lot of information for the pet owner. Um, it's vetnutrition.tufts.edu, and it does have a lot of information for the owner. Uh, they have a whole section of their website called Pet Foodology. And again, these are not ideas for people who have specific medical problems that their pets have been diagnosed with. That's a whole nother conversation, whole nother conversation. for another day. But this is just healthy pets, uh, main dog food and cat food brands, the names that you would recognize. We're, we're kind of avoiding mentioning any brand names sure. here, but, you know, that have been around a while, right? Right. And encouraging people to not get duped by all the marketing out there. It's very difficult. The, the ads on TV, uh, I think of the whole pet food industry, the the Grain-free movement is is the largest segment right now, just just pushing ahead, making people believe that grains are some poison for their dog. It's not. Dogs have been proven to be able to digest starches. Yes, some dogs do better when they're on different foods and maybe a grain-free food, you know, anecdotally, but no studies have proven that grain-free foods are are, uh, some bad. My dogs eat a food that has grains in it, and you can't tell me that whole, you know, brown rice and whole grains aren't, aren't good for my dog. All right. Dr. Meg Brooker, thank you so much. You're so welcome, Beth. Thank you for having me. That was WXXI's Beth Adams. And what we didn't have time to fully cover in that interview was the topic of table scraps. So, Dr. Garvey, should pet owners be feeding their animals human food, generally speaking? You know, it really depends. Um, One thing that we see, especially around the holidays, is pets getting a lot of really fatty treats like, uh, you know, turkey drippings, things like that. And that can actually cause a big problem, especially for dogs who are often the ones who are kind of going around the bottom of the table picking stuff up. It can cause something called pancreatitis, which can cause some pretty serious uh, gastrointestinal distress. It can, you know, require hospitalization. So we certainly uh, recommend that you stay away from the fatty stuff, that you stay away from chicken bone stuff that can break off and get lodged on its way down. However, uh, there are some things you certainly can feed your pet. If your pet wants a little bit of your banana, if your pet wants a little bit of um, a fruit or veggie, as long as you stay away from things like uh, onions, avocados, garlic, uh, those kinds of things. Um, There are a ton of resources on the internet that are available, um, the ASPCA most notably, that have lists of things that are safe for your dog or cat to eat. So I certainly don't want to say, no, you can never feed your dog table scraps, but you have to be a little bit discerning in terms of what you're feeding. Onions, avocado, garlic, just for the toxicity. Yes. I, I don't know that I would have known avocado. Mm-hmm. So that's... Um, and, it is something that... It's mostly the, the pits that are the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of stay away from it in general. Uh, not just from a toxicity standpoint, but because it is really fatty. So some dogs can't tolerate that. Yeah. I, part of me was thinking, well, who's going to eat the pits? But then again, dogs eat incredible stuff. They and do. <laughs> big dogs love to eat yeah. all kinds of stuff. I could definitely see some big tank dogs that I've known in my life gnawing on the pit of an avocado. All right. And so now that we're on this subject, and I like to ask vets this question, it's always fun for me. <laughs> Strangest thing you've ever had a dog come in for having ingested? Oh, boy. Um... I think the strangest one I have ever seen, which is actually something I've heard a a number of cases are, are the darts that come out of a Nerf gun. Uh, I think the dog had done it a couple of times. Uh, So it's definitely one of those toys that for it was a pretty small dog. And for whatever reason, he thought that those little 
uh, squishy little darts were pretty tasty. What's the most harmful thing that dogs will ingest, you know, that, I don't know if the word is common, but but that you might see with some frequency that is a real concern about damaging them, et cetera? Sure. Um, I think that the toughest kind of foreign body to remove is called a linear foreign body. And that is any kind of thing that can create a string. So a piece of yarn or a towel. Uh, it's more common in cats to find a linear foreign body because cats really like things that are stringy. But in any animal, what can happen there is your intestines can kind of get bunched up in a whole bunch of different places. And you have to attack that problem one little problem area at a time. So it's a surgery that can become really long and involved. Um, even if it if they only ingested one thing, it can require a lot of little different operations when you're in the dog. How about plastic bags? Plastic bags can also have that effect. So oh. yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, let me get a couple of questions that come uh, via Twitter. Danielle says, my kitty will not use any of the cat scratchers I buy. Cardboard, uh, is it sisal rope? Sisal, yeah. Sisal rope. Uh, she says, nothing is working. What can I do? Okay. Cats definitely have surface preferences. One thing she didn't mention, but she may have already tried, is carpet. A lot of cats like carpet to sink their nails into. So if there's something uh, like that that she can provide, they also will sometimes be a little bit picky about uh, my my personal cat likes it if it's round, if it's a different shape. She doesn't want anything to do with it. So cats are certainly can be very particular about scratching surfaces they like. If scratching is a problem for you and your cat doesn't seem to be taking you up on any of the toys that you've offered, uh, one thing that you might want to consider is they make little plastic nail caps that you can put onto your pet yourself or vets offices often offer this as a service in conjunction with a nail trim. Um, something you can get over the counter and that way they can exercise their natural scratching behavior that all cats want to do but without damaging any of your furniture. Good luck, Danielle. Nicole on Twitter says, thank you so much for having the show every month. You're welcome, Nicole. And her question is, or she says, I'd love resources on how to make homemade pet food. What would you say to that? Sure. Um, well, I think they talked about this in the previous segment, but the best resource that I have found is called balanceit.com. Uh, Balanceit.com is a site that does only uh, uh, only diets for animals. They can do if your dog is on a prescription diet and has a particular health need or if it's just a, a normal healthy animal. And what they do is um, they will let you pick ingredients that you would like to use in your diet and they'll tell you how much of each ingredient to do. And I think think they they portion out like so that you're cooking once every few days or once a week and saving portions they also will send you a customized uh packet of vitamins and minerals and this is the really important part because when you're home cooking it's difficult to know if your dog or cat is getting all of the nutrients that they need and uh, particularly micronutrients so the vitamins and minerals and they will send you all of that pre-packaged you already you can just put it in. Um, so I think that is one of the best resources out there in terms of ease of use and getting to use different ingredients that you might like for your pet or that you know that your pet likes um, and being able to figure out a good nutritional strategy for them. All right. Very good. And what's the best way to find that? 
Uh, it's on the internet. You can just Google Balance It, or I believe the address is balanceit.com. Let me squeeze one more question in before our next break, and it comes from Sue in Honeyway Falls, who called in and left a question off air. And Sue, I'll, I'll go ahead and get started on this question, and if you want to follow up before the end of the program, you can do that. She just has questions about taking dogs on airplanes. And I think it's, it's an interesting question that I don't know that it's come up on the show before. Mm-hmm. What, should you need, what do you need to know if you're traveling by air with a dog? Okay, so if you are traveling by air with a dog, you should know the only dogs that are going to be allowed in the cabin with you are service dogs. So, and that's something that I I think is going to be increasingly an issue as people have sort of taken advantage of that. Um, So please, please make sure that you're only bringing a dog in the cabin if it is a service animal that you require. Truly needed. Yes. Um, The other thing to know about um, shipping dogs is that basically, you know, your dog is going to go in a container under the plane in a a dog crate under the plane different airlines have different requirements in terms of um what you're allowed what will go on with the dog you typically need if you're going um interstate you will typically need a health certificate so that's something you got to get in touch with with your veterinarian because your veterinarian who will provide that health certificate um can only write it if they have been accredited through the USDA and not every veterinarian has done that. So definitely, if you know in advance that you're going to need to take your pet somewhere on an airplane, um, definitely get in touch with your vet and make sure that's something they can do for you. And if not, they can you know certainly refer you to someone who can. Um, that said, traveling with pets on an airplane is not something I recommend unless it's necessary. I think it's much less stressful for pets to be... Um, in a uh, in if there's some other way for them to travel with you, so I certainly wouldn't take a pet on an airplane for a vacation, um, and I, I would only do it if it's something that they need because uh, you know they're not really monitored under the plane, they're not being taken care of necessarily by people who are familiar with animals. It can be a really stressful experience for them. And again, in regards to stress, one thing you would do to help with stress would be what? Um, Depends. Uh, a lot of the airlines or airline policies do not allow for animals to be sedated, and there's sort of pros and cons to sedation. Um, so, but something that you might be able to do is um, providing like feel away or a DAP collar. Those are pheromones that can reduce stress in animals. Feel away for cats and DAP for dogs. Um, that can sometimes help them through any stressful situation. Okay. Uh, good luck to you soon. If you've got more questions about traveling with a dog on an airplane and you want to follow up, you can do that. It's 844-295-TALK, toll-free, 844-295-8255. Or if you're in Rochester, you can call 263-WXXI, 263-9994. You can tweet your question to the hashtag Unleashed or to me, at Evan Dawson, or our producer, Megan Mack, at Media. And you can watch today's episode on Facebook Live. Just search for Unleashed the Pet Show. One more break, and want to let you know as we go to break here. No 1 p.m. broadcast of Connections today because we're being preempted, and we're going to bring you NPR national coverage of the Presidential News Conference. Theresa May from Great Britain is here, and Donald Trump and, and uh, Prime Minister May are going to be having a joint news conference. You will hear that at the top of the hour, 1 p.m. hour, on NPR national coverage. So that's what we'll have in our second hour. Let's get that break, and we're right back. 
Support for your public radio station comes from our members and from Natural Pet Foods Company, helping people make diet choices for their pets, offering frozen and grain-free foods, and foods for pets with special needs. 766 Clinton Avenue in the South Wedge, naturalpetfoodscompany.com. And All Cats Care Center, a full-service feline veterinary hospital offering medical and surgical care and boarding. All Cats Care Center, where cats come first. More online at allcatscarecenter.com. Welcome back to Unleash the Pet Show on Connections. There's a new film called A Dog's Purpose, opening in theaters around the world today. It's about a dog who tells the story of how he continues to reincarnate. It was expected to do well at the box office, but a video that went viral last week now has the film in the center of a controversy. Representatives of PETA are asking potential moviegoers to boycott the film after the video showed a trainer trying to force a frightened dog into a pool of rushing water. Later, a different clip shows the dog sinking beneath the surface. The film's producer says the trainer's actions were inexcusable, but he also says the video portrays an inaccurate picture of what fully happened because it was taken out of context. Unleash producer Megan Mack has the story. Oh, oh, here he goes. Oh, no. Across a pool of churning water, a trainer is trying to lower a German shepherd named Hercules into the current. But the dog is frightened. He appears to back away from the water and tries to run away. Oh, he wants to get away to throw him The trainer manages to lower the dog's back legs into the water, but Hercules claws his way out. This continues for about another 20 seconds, with Hercules squirming and trying to run away and the trainer trying to force him in the water. During the last attempt, Hercules is lowered about halfway into the pool, still struggling, until the trainer finally pulls him out. The video then cuts to a different moment when Hercules is already in the water, but then becomes submerged. You're hearing handlers yelling and rushing to him. That's where the video ends. The footage is very disturbing. That's Nadia Taha. She's the investigations editor for the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, or PETA. A dog who is in danger of drowning totally unnecessarily and for the profit of people is it's very disturbing to see. The film's producer Gavin Pallone has said that the incident should never have happened and he has apologized publicly. Pallone is an animal rights activist who has spoken out against animal cruelty and the use of wild animals in film and television. He says he too was upset by the footage of Hercules. I only got involved with this movie for one reason which was to forward the cause of animal welfare and seeing any animal in distress at any time in any context is very upsetting to me. Pallone says he didn't see the video until more than a year after production of the film had wrapped and that he wasn't on set that day. He also noted that up until that point, Hercules had rehearsed the scene from the other side of the pool and entered the water without a problem. Pallone said it wasn't until the first real take that the starting point had changed and that's why Hercules was spooked. He says the dog shouldn't have been forced into the water. But he also told me that the video was edited to remove context, and he says that made the scene seem more treacherous than it really was. I don't know if they pushed in or zoomed in on the phone that he was obviously using, or if that was done later for effect, so as to exclude seeing everything around. When you look at a much tighter shot of it, you're really just seeing the water and some of the blue of the sides. You're not really seeing that it's more of an open space, that there is a calm area, that you're not seeing all the safety personnel both on the deck and in the water with Hercules, the dog. And he says the second clip, where Hercules goes underwater, happened a while later. But the way in which the clips are edited makes it seem as if the events are connected. It cuts off before you see the safety diver lifting the dog out of the water 
and the dog being fine on the deck. So, you know, one could get the impression that given what you saw in the first part, that the dog was actually thrown into the water, and then after the dog was swimming, that the dog was submerged and maybe never came up. And that's not what happened. Nadia Taha says that explanation isn't enough. This tactic is used really to gaslight members of the public again and again when footage like this comes out. Don't believe your lying eyes, you know. Believe the story behind the scenes that we're going to tell you with no verification and and no backup. Pallone and Taha agree that the standards for protecting animal actors on and off sets need to be improved. If you've stuck around to read the end credits of films that feature animals, you've seen a stamp of approval by the American Humane Association, or the AHA. You know the disclaimer, no animals were harmed? That's the AHA. It's the group that monitors animals on set. But Pallone and Taha both told me that that monitoring doesn't always transfer to off the set. So what does this mean for the future of animal actors? Pallone says he's working with animal rights groups to improve how animals are treated on and off sets. But Taha says PETA doesn't want animals used on screen at all. Time and time again, every investigation that's been done over the 36 years that PETA has been in existence of this industry, looking behind the scenes at training methods, housing, veterinary care, has found that animals are treated like uh, properties and props. They are not props. They are feeling living creatures who deserve the same consideration that we give to our household pets. They're not meant to be exploited for human profit, and Hollywood really knows better, and that's why we've seen increasingly a move away from the use of live animals and into more CGI. In fact, even A Dog's Purpose uses a lot of CGI in the making of their film. They just need to take it all the way and leave animals off set. She says she thinks we are very close to seeing animal actors being replaced by CGI, but Pallone says that's not realistic. He says audiences would miss the human-animal connection. It doesn't look exactly like real life. Movies that are emotional really need to feel like you're immersed in the real world. And I think it's a long way away before it's 100% perfect and it's really cheap. So maybe that'll be the case in the future. Maybe there'll be other kinds of problems with it if we do want to go that direction. But today, in 2017, it's absolutely impossible. Pallone says A Dog's Purpose is a film about loving animals. While Universal Pictures did cancel the red carpet premiere because of the controversy, the full effect of PETA's boycotts and protests may be seen this weekend as audiences make their ticket choices at the box office. Megan Mack, WXXI News. All right, so we'll see. And you, you hear both sides there. Before I get back to your phone calls, Mary and Greece, hang there just for a moment. I wanted to ask Dr. Christine Garvey from Lollipop Farm, what she thinks. You had a chance to hear the representative from PETA. You had a chance to hear the representative from the film and the explanation on, you know, in, in general saying, you know, maybe th- that wasn't the most representative clip that you could see. PETA essentially saying likely story. You know, what are we to make of that? Sure. I think it's probably really difficult to tell what the truth of the situation really is. But I think this is a great jumping off point to talk uh, in a large context about, you know, the use of animals as working animals and uh, the ways in which we train them. So I think there's the potential for a lot of really great things to come out of this. Do animals like to work? A lot of them do. A lot of them really do like to work. And um, it's a usually... um, a matter of finding out what kind of things they like to do. Some dogs like to herd things, and some dogs like to um, snuggle up to people as a therapy animal. So it depends on uh, the kind of dog you have and their personality, but dogs really do like to learn, and it's a great opportunity um, to bond with your dog and, and really um, 
form a great relationship with them. I remember a Jerry Seinfeld bit that had me wondering if animals know that they're working. I mean, he said uh, about horse racing, he says, he says, I think the horses know that you're in a hurry. I don't know that they know that there's a race going on and they probably get to the finish line and think we were just here. Yeah. Why don't we just stay right here? We could have won. Um, and, and, and that kind of begs the question. Do you think most of the time animals that are working animals understand that they're doing jobs? Probably in some cases they do, but I, I, I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I think I think animals who are really successful at working really enjoy their jobs, and it's probably not work to them. Yeah, I think that's well said. Uh, let's grab Mary in Greece with a question. Go ahead, Mary. Hi. Um, I have a, a lab who's 13 years old, just turning 13, mm-hmm. and she's partially... Well, almost completely deaf, and now, over the last few weeks, she has gone blind. And so I've been trying to figure out um, how to help her. I know, you know, not to move the furniture around, but I've not really found a lot of other ways to help her navigate this new situation, and I'm not ready to put her down. Mm. Sure. Okay. I think there's probably a couple things we can talk about here. One is that it might be worth going and chatting with your veterinarian about what's going on with your dog. Um, An animal that goes blind over a short period of time makes me wonder if there's an underlying condition that might uh, be giving her extra, extra things to deal with. So that would be my first concern. Um, Secondly, Animals that are blind in general can learn to negotiate pretty well. Um, In an older dog, it might take them a little bit more time. Um, But certainly things like going slow, um, helping them navigate, taking them to generally familiar environments, especially while she's... um, you know, over the next few months while she's really acclimating, I'd avoid taking her new places as much as as you can. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, just kind of keeping an eye on her. You know, since she's deaf, it's it's certainly a little bit more challenging. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, just just making sure that she's you know in a in a place that she's safe. If you if you um, have to leave her, it's probably a good idea for her to be confined so she can't get stuck oh. somewhere. Um, okay. So that that may be something, and if she's not been in a crate before, that's something that you'll have to kind of work with her um, mm-hmm. with. Um, but those would be my initial thoughts to kind of follow up with your vet, make sure there's not an underlying condition that needs to be addressed, um, and then you know just kind of work with her to slowly uh, familiarize her with her environment. Okay. One last question. Sure. I wondered, could she hear a dog whistle if I were to get one of those? Do you have any idea? So if she is truly deaf, often the high frequency pitches are the f- are the first things to go more oh, than the low okay. frequency, I believe. It's certainly mm-hmm. worth a try. Um, I think that's probably something you could get on the internet. Um, but uh, again, it's something that you'd kind of have to acclimate her to quickly because if she hasn't really been hearing very much for a long time, might scare her at first if she suddenly can't hear something. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Sure thing. Mary, good luck to you. Uh, Let's go to John and Webster next up on the phone. Go ahead, John. Hi, Evan. Um, Regarding the comments about the video, not on the animal abuse in the movie, that it doesn't show the whole story, um, I've never heard a case with animal abuse where they say the video shows the uh, full story, and the same with police wearing cameras. There's always, oh, the video doesn't show the whole story. It's just the biggest excuse, uh, excuse in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. Thank you. If you have any comments, I'll 
Yeah, John, thanks for the phone call. Yeah, we certainly appreciate your concern. Uh, Like I said, for me personally, it's hard to really uh, comment in an educated way because I wasn't involved at all in the situation. Um, But we certainly appreciate how much people have been concerned. I think it reflects really well in the Rochester community that we have so many people who are so concerned about animal welfare. And I think we should just say as a baseline, if you are going to uh, use or employ animals for a film, for whatever... You have a responsibility to make sure the animal's well, well cared for. Sure. And absolutely. you should expect a backlash if, if, if you can't live up to that end of it. So, sure. Uh, but, John, certainly we, we respect that point. Uh, Horace on Twitter says that the film The Horse Whisperer uh, has a horse being used very kindly and beautifully, but that may be the exception. I haven't seen The Horse Whisperer. Have you? Gosh, I don't think so. I think I was about 10 when that came out. A while back. (laughs) We're going way back. Um, But, you know, and again, uh, as as the report indicated, you hear that disclaimer, no animals were hurt in the filming of this. Yeah, I think it is certainly possible to get animals to do a lot of really incredible things using the positive training techniques. like we use at Lollipop Farm. So I certainly I certainly want to reiterate that it's something that can be done, that, that fear, fear-based training methods are not something that ever need to be used. One more question that we've heard from a number of people who are concerned about um, the health of animals outside in the cold. They'll see somebody sure. jogging mm-hmm. when it's 24 degrees with a dog. And they're wondering, is that safe? You know, obviously at that moment, you may be driving by, you don't know how far they're going. Mm-hmm. But what's, the, what's a good guideline for, I'm going to go out for a jog or I'm going to go exercise, but it's ex- such and such degrees and what should I change based on that? Sure. I think as the temperature goes down, the length of time you should spend outside with your dog should decrease as well. So if it is one of these really frigidly cold Rochester days, certainly take your dog out, let them do their business, let them run around a little while, but then you want to bring them back in. Um, Two of the things that we see um, in terms of dogs being exposed to the cold are, are dogs can get hypothermia. They also can get frostbite. So I think a good general rule of thumb is to think about, well, if I were wearing the clothes my dog is wearing, how comfortable would I be in this? And, you know, it can certainly be difficult, especially with really active dogs who really want to be outside and really, you know, want to get running around. And I certainly don't want to discourage people from exercising their dogs, but it may be a question when it's really cold of several short sessions rather than one long walk or run. All right, down to our last minute. What's new at Lollipop Farm? What's going on? We have a lot of stuff going on. Um, We are... um, coming up on our telethon, which is a really exciting time for us. We're kind of collecting a lot of the stories that uh, exciting things that have happened over the years. Um, we are, you know, doing all our usual stuff. We are offering our, our spay and neuter services. We're having some really exciting behavior classes that are, are coming up. Um, so we're really excited uh, about what's going on right now. We, we're uh, we're having, having a pretty good uh, winter season there. Well, I'd like to thank Dr. Christine Garvey from Lollipop Farm, the Humane Society of Greater Rochester, for being here today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so yeah, much. thanks. I enjoyed being here. And you can let us know what you think about Unleashed by tweeting us at the hashtag Unleashed. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Unleashed Pet Show. And if you have a story about your pet or an animal that you know, maybe one about service, heroics, or second chances, we always love to tell great animal stories in our community. Please email your idea to Unleashed at WXXI.org, or you can send us a message through Facebook. And you can hear Unleashed at noon, the third Friday of every month. Now, coming up next hour, we've got live coverage of President Donald Trump's meeting at the White House with British Prime Minister Theresa May. 
So that is going to preempt connections. So we will be back with you on Monday. Enjoy our live NPR coverage next with that. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you Monday. Oh, before I go, John Andrews, engineer. Always nice, John. I wouldn't ever forget about the man behind the glass. Thank you, John. Have a great weekend. We'll talk with you Monday on Member Supported Public Radio.